Everybody's a little awake there. That's good. Give me a smile. Yeah, some of you got smiles. I like that. I appreciate that. Um, well, you know, this morning, I don't know about you, but uh, the praise team had some really good songs. Did you hear that? I, you didn't. Apparently, you weren't here. I don't know. We had some good songs this morning. Amen. I mean, that was amazing. I don't want to point anybody out specifically, but Jeff, man, he was killing it on the guitar. And he was a little wah wah, and he'd be right up there. It'd be awesome. I'd maybe some Sunday, you know. We'll, is that in the budget? You think, Pastor Gary, you could put that? No, it's not in the budget. Okay, we'll have to wait on that. Let's start praying right now. Well, today I want to talk to you about Jesus declares freedom over you. You hear that? Jesus declares freedom over you this morning. There may be moments uh, when we feel that victory and freedom look like a distant hope on our journey, but because, you know, we've been having a, a problem waging a war in an area of our life for a long time, but let me just say it again. Listen very closely. Jesus declares victory over you. Praise God. Amen? Freedom is at our fingertips if we are willing to receive the declaration from Christ. However, at the same time, there are a few things that must be firmly rooted in our hearts for any freedom to actually happen on our journey this morning. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about those things that we need to look at. And I best understood this point of view a few years ago when I worked in jail ministry uh, through the Salvation Army. I had a chance a lot of times to go into some of the, the different prisons around uh, the, the states here. I, don't, I can't even tell you all the places we were at, but I was in Cook County for a little bit, and we did some things there in Chicago, and then in uh, Evansville, we did some things there as well, but it was a great time in ministry. But it was interesting as I began to understand this ministry through small prison work, I learned that just because an inmate is handed the paperwork that says they're free by a judge, their reality has not changed until they begin to embrace freedom for themselves. You can say all you want that you're free, here's the signed paperwork from the judge, but that person walking out of those jail doors will still possibly think that they're not free yet. Now, a free inmate will uh, have these thoughts that they don't know if they're really free because they've been incarcerated for a long time, and a counselor was trying to help me understand all this. It doesn't make any sense to me. If you're going to open that door and I'm going to walk out, I'm going to be pretty excited. But he said, or she said, that there were some things that they have to begin to incorporate in their life if they're ever going to become free. Listen to this. They must change their thinking from an incarcerated individual to a productive member of society. If that doesn't happen, there's going to be a problem. They have to see themselves as being the person that holds that job and has a better life. They must change the influences that got them locked up in the first place. Get rid of all those people that are bringing you down. They need to have a true understanding of their crime so that they choose to make the right decision in the future. You have to change about how you look at life in general. You don't want to be the person that got you locked up in prison. It'll be somebody different. And as, he, as she was telling me this, in many ways, I started to think that our fight over sin on the Christian journey resembles that a lot. The lessons that I learned there seem to really resonate with me. And as Because I, I look at Scripture and I, I see it over and over again. As we are freed from sins grasped by Jesus' mercy and grace, but we are not fully understanding the requirements of what our freedom has the potential to offer us, it's like we are walking around with the papers of our redemption from Jesus, yet we are not living in the power of a new freedom. You hear what I'm saying this morning? Amen? So know this morning, Jesus tells every one of us, regardless of where you are in your journey, we are free and liberated from our sins, from our limiting labels of defeat. Jesus declares over you that you have freedom this morning. And so are you 
The big question, are you accepting that freedom? Are you saying, God, yes, I hear what you're saying, it's for me. Or do you still find moments on your faith journey returning to the previous thought patterns and actions that were part of your prison life to sin? We're going to get in that this morning, but before we do, why don't we close our, close our eyes and bow our heads in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, I just lift before you everyone here this morning, and God, I pray that you would just open their hearts to your word. Holy Spirit, be present with us. Begin to infuse this message with your power and glory. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, God, for how awesome you are. You are a jailbreaking God, and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said. Now, if you would, turn your Bibles to John chapter 8, verse 31 through 36. That's going to be our focus this morning. And I, I want you to see how Jesus helps us understand the need to fully embrace our freedom. Starting in verse 31, we find these words Jesus said to the people who believed in him. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, or some translations say word. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean that you will be set free? Verse 34, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave, uh, is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. Verse 36, if you have a pencil, I encourage you to underline this. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. See, this morning I want to look together at how true freedom goes from just a, a hope and a wish. Just these words that we express in a song or we get kind of excited about every now and then when somebody talks about it to where it becomes a part of our everyday reality, a part of every situation where sin seems to be winning the battle in our journey. Now, the first area that I believe, as we see in the Scripture, must be firmly planted in our hearts for freedom to become real on our faith journey is what it says there in verse 31, believe in Jesus. Now, I find this opening insight by John so interesting to me because Jesus starts his lesson talking to people who he already described as people who believed in him, right? It says it right there in, in verse 31. It kind of seems like Jesus is speaking to the choir, right? doesn't make any sense. I mean, if they already believe, then why even waste some valuable time that you need to have to go preach the gospel to people and then rehash something that people are already believing in? Well, in this setting that Jesus finds himself saying this, there were Jews who had been following Jesus and were excited about his preaching on freedom, and they had a belief. They had a belief in Jesus on some level. They accepted his claims on who he professed to be as he taught through the countryside and spoke to their incarcerated worldview. They were excited. I mean, just think about some of these wonderful sermon headings that he would just throw out there and get people excited. In John chapter 8, verse 12, uh, Jesus got the crowd excited with these words. He says, I am the light of the world. Woo, that's some preaching right there, isn't it? That gets you kind of excited. John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus blew their minds when he said, I am not just Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life. Wow. Man, that, that's some good stuff there. And then in John 14, 6, Jesus made the ultimate revelation of himself. He says, I am not just a, a prophet, I'm not just a teacher, but he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Wow. That should get an amen right there. Yet they were missing something crucial in their understanding. They heard all that great stuff, got excited. There was a disconnect that made it almost impossible for them to leave their prison of the past. Although they heard the declarations of freedom from Jesus, belief for them was a far cry from making it their truth. You see, 
There's a huge distinction and difference between victorious faith and superficial faith. Or we could say, knowing we are free, or just mouthing the words, we're free. You see, we can sing that song, I'm free. But you may be sitting here going, I'm, I'm not really free in that area of whatever I'm thinking. But there is such a thing as faith that leads to freedom, and there's faith that is all talk, and that's what James talks about in James chapter 2, verse 19. He says, you know what, listen, we sing those songs and get excited about it, but you know, listen, people can sing those songs. Even the demons can sing those songs. And in verse 19, he says that even the demons believe. And James is making us aware that just because you believe that Jesus is telling the truth doesn't make it your truth that leads to freedom. Now, I hate to be the bearer of some strong revelation this morning, and I hope you forgive me, but just because you may sit here every Sunday and sing the same songs that we just sang this morning and listen to the anointing messages that Pastor Gary brings every Sunday doesn't mean you're walking out these doors every Sunday living in that freedom. You hear me? Amen? Let me just say that 78% of America professes to believe that Jesus is real. That means a lot of us in this room believe that Jesus is real, yet many of those of us will die lost and spend eternity apart from God who loves them because we have never really been free. You see, in my opinion, worse than that, there are countless Christians who have felt the grace of God at some point in their life, and they still choose to live empty, fruitless, and self-defeating lives in the shadow of the cross. You see, church membership roles are filled with superficial belief in Jesus, and the only people that are being hurt are the ones who keep themselves locked up in the prisons of their own making. You know, Jesus said, I have come to bring victory to you, freedom to you, but yet you're still standing here going, I don't think it's happening. The door's wide open. Let me just tell you something. Jesus at the cross, he went over to that gate that kept you in prison. He ripped off the hinges, threw the door down, and says, come on out. You're free. Amen? But some of us are still standing there going, what? what's going on? How much more do you need to know before you take Jesus' word seriously and says the door is open? Look, I'm not a mime, but the door's not there. It's gone. Free yourself. I mean, how much more does he have to do? You are liberated and free from the bondages of sin in your life. I love Pastor Ted brought up this passage of Scripture in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He says, no longer it is I who liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. Now, that's the King James Version. That's for some of you older Pentecostals in the room, amen? We like the King James every now and then. I'm just throwing it out there, all right? That's good. But Paul is encouraging the church in this passage to get a hold of this powerful understanding that true belief is not just outward activity. It is a full submission of your full mind and body and spirit. You see, hear me this morning. Freedom is not assured by our own abilities. That's not what I'm saying. It comes from the promises of our freedom fighter, Jesus Christ, who fully is taking control of our freedom. But listen, it, takes, it requires us to accept it 100% and make it our only truth. And unfortunately, the, the Jews who are described as believing in John chapter 8, verse 31, were doing what Paul described later in Galatians, if you read that, the chapters after 2, as a contrary approach to finding freedom. And we are fooling ourselves if we think that we can dabble in the possibility of freedom. You have to be all in or not. Freedom is not a part-time consideration. It's not something you just say, well, I'm going to just do it today. Maybe it might work. I don't know. There's no maybe. It's all or nothing. 
Intellectual understanding won't get you to heaven any more than a prisoner knows how to pick a lock. You hear me? You see, a head faith alone is a dead faith. True freedom must be the indisputable belief that what Christ has declared over you is for you. Not for everybody else, it's for you. And when we begin to think that way, you begin to realize that through Christ, the door to your new life has always been open since you made that confession of faith, and it's time for you to begin to step out and say, nothing's holding me back. The battles in your mind can be won because Jesus has already won the victory for us. So stop saying to yourself, oh, I'm just never going to get this out of my head. This anxiety is going to take control. The, the frustrations of my life are just so strong. God says, listen, you are free. Amen? Some of you are free. Amen? Let me just say in all love, though, that the person who claims faith and belief but has not ever seen freedom or liberty from their previous life in some area, you're not free. You can sing those songs all you want, but if God is not helping you, you're not seeing what God's showing you, then it's not happening. But let me say that's not the truth that God wants you to believe. You can be free if you're willing to do exactly what God says is possible. Amen? I love this story of John Newton, the author of our beloved hymn, Amazing Grace. We sing that a lot, don't we? I mean, I think everybody in the room could probably sing at least one verse of Amazing Grace. But it's a good example of someone who believed in the freedom of Christ and what changed uh, his life drastically. He was the son of a uh, slave trader. I don't know if you knew that, but John Newton followed in his father's footsteps in that hideous practice. Deplorable, deplorable practice. The son of a slave trader, John followed in that, and, and Newton for many years became wealthy in that business. But miraculously one day, just like Paul, he met Jesus and his life was changed. It's one of those amazing moments when all of a sudden God just stepped in and said, stop, stop doing what you're doing and come follow me. And ironically, since, you know, he was a young boy, it's, it's interesting that he always claimed to be a Christian man, even doing all that stuff, and he knew Jesus. Sounds like the 78% of Americans today that say, I, I know who Jesus is. His actions obviously proved otherwise. But after writing the song Amazing Grace and working tirelessly to make right, what he had been a part of, his final act was to write on his own tombstone this testimony. And he says, John Newton Clark, once an infidel and degenerate, a new servant to the slaves, is now servant to the slaves in Africa, was the, by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, preserved, restored, and pardoned, praise God, and appointed to preach the faith that he had labored long to destroy. And then this is a line that we all know, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I look at his life and I think to myself, that's true freedom. He's not just saying freedom, he's living freedom. Freedom is so much a part of his life, he can't control it. He's just trying to do everything he possibly could in his history to free people, not only from the physical bonds of slavery, but also from sin's bonds of slavery. Amen. Freedom, the power to change life. But the second area that must be firmly planted in our hearts for freedom to become real on our faith journey is found in chapter 31 and, or chapter 8, verse 31, the second half of that. If you look in your Bibles, it says, remain in his word or his teaching, depending on what translation you have. Let me just say to some people today that come to church want to hear a gospel of no conditions, Jesus. We love the passage of John 3.16 because Jesus sounds like a fuzzy teddy bear. 
oh, yeah, that's my Jesus. That's the Jesus I love. <laughs> you know, we, we like what he offers through grace, but since his mercy is given to us freely, you know, we expect to be uh, in a situation where there's no conditions, right? It's a gift. That's what we say often from the pulpit. It's a gift. What should we have to do to receive a gift? But I want you to notice Jesus gives us a profound bit of insight as he says in that passage, if, 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 if you have a pencil underline that word, if, if you remain faithful in my teachings or word. The condition that's so important for us to notice this morning is found in that big word, if. Let me, let me just burst your bubble this morning. Jesus is not in the kidnapping business, amen? He's not going to kidnap you from your situation, from your sin, or whatever it is. We are free will people. We have a choice. And he won't force you to live in freedom if you are hell-bent on staying locked up in your sin. It just won't happen. You see, if we thought that he would do that, we have other problems because then it's really not love that Jesus talks about if we're forced to accept it, is it? If I'm forced to be in this relationship, it's not love. However, when we do, it is a lifelong journey of staying in that truth that Jesus is telling us in this passage. And I want you to hear me clearly this morning. The sins of the past, you know, they're forgiven. Amen to that, right? But the scars are going to stay as a continuous reminder that we were not always free. Some of us know what I'm talking about. You know, we can choose to allow the, the sin scars to be uh, a blame in our life, condemnation, as Scripture says, keeping us from having a joyful life in Christ, or we can remain, as Jesus says in chapter 8, in his word that constantly redefines those scars as God's freedom work. His glorious grace who changed a person like me. Amazing grace. And we can make those previous bad choices into statements of victory, reminding the devil every chance you get you look at it and say, devil, this, I'm not whatever I was before. I'm different, hallelujah. I'm free. I'm not bound by the chains of my previous sin. I'm walking free. Yeah, I may have some of the bruises and some of the scratches that came along with my stupidity, but it doesn't define me, praise God. But listen to this. This is taken from a book that we did in the devotions at staff. These statements of faith that we are. You are not controlled by your past, Amen. You are not stuck in the past, amen? You are not a slave to your habits. You are not a prisoner to your addictions. You are not a victim. You are not a failure. You are not unworthy of love, and you are not what you did. You are not what someone else did to you. You are not what others used to say you were. You are not who your unhealthy thoughts say you are. You are not done. You are not defeated. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And see, it's not enough. To accept Jesus' declaration of freedom over you, you must remain in those words every day when the devil's whispering in your ears saying, yes, you are. You say, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Yeah, I may have been an addict before, but I'm not an addict now. And you might point to the, the scars from all those years and you say, that doesn't matter to me. Those are washed into the blood of Jesus Christ. For some of us, we may... I've started our faith, though, and our faith journey on fire for this truth. We may have been saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit. But listen to this. It's not enough to start well. We must finish well. I love this, uh, this uh, story. My wife and I, we often remember when we were young and didn't have kids and we could just kind of be those crazy teenagers in love when we were married. We somehow got caught up in racing. 
Now, I, you look at me and you're thinking, you're not redneck enough to be a racer. And I, I am redneck, trust me. I use duct tape on a continuous basis in my house. Praise God. I, I mean, I'll do duct tape on everything. If it's broken, duct tape. You can, uh, this is going to be funny. This is a side note. I don't know why I'm thinking this. Our riding lawnmower died. And my son and I, we thought, it's not going to stop us. The engine still runs. The thing still drives. So we attached a push mower to the back of the riding lawnmower with duct tape, and we mowed the lawn. Now tell me that ain't redneck. Praise the Lord. That's redneck right there. But we used to go to these races all the time, and I loved it, and it was in a dirt track in Ellsworth. And we would sit there, and we loved it. I don't know why we loved it, but we were just sitting there getting dirty. And, I mean, it was just fun to watch this car go around. And if you watch NASCAR, some of you that watch it, you know, I can watch it on the big races, but to do it all year round, I'm sorry, I fall asleep. I mean, they just, you're going in one direction, right? I mean, how many times can you see somebody turn left? But, you know, they're having a good time. They're making big money. It's fun to do that. But we'll watch that stuff. But I love going to the real races where I get, I'm a part of it. And we're sitting there, and, you know, after you get done, you're getting off the track, and you're, you're so dirty, you take your sunglasses off, you look like a raccoon. Everybody knows where you're at. There's no way of getting around it. Well, one time we went and saw a friend of ours who was racing. And uh, he's a pretty good racer. He was already ahead of the pack, and he was, he was on, on point to win the race. We were all cheering for him. We're like, yeah, you're going to do it. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he got into a collision, stopped his car, couldn't go anywhere. He was so close. Well, afterwards, we went to where they had their little tent in the car and everything, and he was talking about it. And he says, you know, I was sure I was going to win that race. But he says, you know what, I, I forgot the what-ifs that can happen in that race. And then he says, it ha often happens in the race, and I forgot. And I heard those words, and I'm thinking, yeah, you forgot the what-ifs. You just ran into that other car. Bad news. But this morning, let me just ask you, do you hear Jesus say, if you remain? It's a what-if question. You may have started the race towards the high calling of God for your life, but how are you doing now? Let me just say this morning, I don't want you getting any crashes. I want you to be victorious. I want you to be a winner this morning. Amen? And Jesus declares freedom over you this morning. Are you living in it daily? Finally, one of the great needs of the human life in the 21st century, and I hope you hear me clearly this morning, is to recognize our slavery. I know that may be a shocking statement, but Jesus said in verse 32, if you look in your Bibles, he said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, just like I learned from the, the prison counselors of the prison counselor all those years ago, the, the prisoner has to have a true understanding of their crime so that they will choose, they will choose, they will choose to make the right decision in the future. No one's going to force them to make the right decision. There's not going to be a parole officer standing there five, 24 hours a day holding their hand. They're going to have to choose. And we live in a day and age where truth is becoming more and more defined by whoever wants to define it. We have developed cute ways to redefine our imprisonment to sin. I mean, you heard people, oh, you know, I got this little problem. It's not a big deal. You know, this, I'll work out. It's not, it's not such a bad thing. Listen to me. Freedom will never happen until we have an honest confession of what Christ has freed us from. An honest confession. It says in Scripture, confess your sins, not the things that you, you hope Jesus didn't pay attention to when it happened. Confess it, be honest and open. 
And I'll tell you, unfortunately, though, that type of thinking is slowly creeping into the church, this idea of changing what is what sin is and what freedom truly is. And we have people today who will argue about truth to Pastor Gary as to what the Bible is saying because they may not like how it applies to them that day. But the debate is not with Pastor Gary or any other pastor on the staff. You see, it is the only truth that brings freedom from our sin. All truth is defined and derives its origin from Christ's truth, not from somebody else in the world. And our chains are broken when we stop calling our situations setbacks. Let me just say, Jesus is not concerned with your setbacks. All of us are going to have setbacks on our journey, amen? But he is wanting to free us from what is holding you back for his purpose and for his plan for your life. And as Jesus, I think it's interesting, as Jesus was grappling with this same argument of his day, he stood before Pilate preparing himself to be put on the cross and In John chapter 18, verse 38, Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? Well, if you're reading the Greek, it was a very flippant remark arguing that truth. He he didn't really care. He just wanted to kind of harass Jesus a little bit about what he was saying, who he was, or who he heard he he was. Let me just say, if, if you truly know Jesus, it's not flippant. You see, truth according to my Bible is absolute. And I love it how Pilate asked the question, what is truth? I mean, if you think about what actually happened there as he's asking that question, the irony of that whole situation is that truth was standing right there in front of him, but he wasn't able to see it. And if we are to ever be truly free this morning, it must start with our willingness to acknowledge that we were once slaves to sin, but we are now a free people because of Christ. Is those, are those words hard for, for, for you to have come out of your mouth? Yeah, there was, there was a point in my life where it was bad. Some of us, you know, we get saved and we don't, we don't want to say those things anymore. But let me just say there is nothing wrong in looking at the scars of our past and saying thank you, Jesus, for your provision, your mercy, your grace, and your love. Because when I look at the mistakes of my life, I don't see mistakes that condemn me. I see mistakes that remind me of God's faithfulness and love. Hmm. But you know, the moment we forget where we've come from, that is the moment we are doomed to repeat the same actions that will lead us back into our own prison. And the reason I feel so many are finding themselves who have professed Christ at one point and are now locked in some prison of sin today is because the truth is becoming reinvented. Many Christians today spend too much time looking for loopholes in the gray areas of our truth. We are allowing the truth in modern society to shade the absolute word of God. Don't get me wrong, God's not calling us to become isolated monks, but as disciples of Jesus, let me ask you one question. Who is becoming your master from day to day? You see, whoever has control of you this morning will be your truth. And if you're believing in the truth in the narrative of our day that we live in, trust me, you're going down a wrong path. Because that truth says we can redefine marriage, we can tell you when a baby's born, we can do all kinds of things. But that is not the truth of God. You see, whoever has control of you will be your truth. And whether you think it's possible, you can't serve or follow a truth, uh, two different truths in two different directions. It doesn't work. You can't be a Christian that shows up on Sunday and sit here and hang out with us and then go out there and say, well, this is okay. This is not bad. I'll deal with this. 
See, eventually, eventually you're going to side with something. Whether you, you think it's possible or not, you will. Eventually, you will side with something. And I want to remind you again, you are a free people that's freed you from those thoughts, those practices, those ideas. But let me just close with this one final thought before I let you go. You see, the great fact about your freedom in Christ is not that it makes you free to sin, but it makes us free not to sin. You see, it's so easy to allow habits, practices, and ways of life to master us, but Christ has given us the power, the power to master them. Do you hear me this morning? The power to master whatever it is that's going on in your mind and your heart and your relationships, the things that are going on around you, God says, they don't master you because through me I master them. John 7 and 8, chapter 8, verse 36 this kind of should be your mantra. If you got a pencil or pen, I encourage you to highlight this, underline it. I don't put a star next to it, something. Because this is going to re- get ready. This is going to be awesome. It says, so if the Son, Jesus, <laughs> sets you free. Oh, I don't know if you're ready for this. This next part is really strong. This next part is good. If the Son sets you free, if Jesus has brought freedom to your life, you are truly free. Hallelujah. Did you hear me this morning? You are truly free. Not maybe free, not part-time free. You are truly free. Again, there's an applied if in there. What is going to be your answer this morning? Are you going to start today with the knowledge and change life that you are free? Or will you still grapple with the age-old question that, that Pilate tried with Jesus? What's truth? Come on. What's truth? Let me just say, I'm hoping and praying right now that God will get a hold of your heart. Begin to tell you that over and over again. I don't care if you're laying down in the middle of the night and he wakes you up, the Holy Spirit wakes you up and says, listen, free person. You're free. You don't have to think about those thoughts. You don't have to have those anxieties anymore. The fear, whatever it is that's plaguing you right now, Jesus said you're free free. Hallelujah. This morning, I want to ask any of the people that are part of the prayer team or elders or pastors, Pastor Amy, if you come up, I want you to think about your situation in freedom. This morning, you might be sitting here thinking, I've been dealing with something for so long. Why is it not happening? Well, let me just tell you, it starts with you realizing that door is open and walking through this time. Because let me tell you what happens so often is that we see those sins and those problems and we see the gates open and then we realize, oh, I'm not ready yet. And we kind of shut that gate for ourselves. We're like, we'll just we'll hang out here for a little bit longer. Let me just say Jesus wants to take you out of there and let you know finally it's over. Let it go. Let it go, whatever it is. Now I'm going to have Pastor Gary come up and he's going to read to you this awesome declaration that's changed our staff. And here you go. Let's all stand together. And uh, I'm actually going to uh, go back through the list that Pastor Alex read over us earlier. And uh, <clears throat> as Pastor Alex mentioned, sometimes it's easy for us to uh, listen and say, yeah, amen, that's good. But then we don't apply it to us. And I want to apply all of this to you as I read this to you. Let's go ahead and, uh, let's go ahead and raise our hands. And this is uh, the declaration I want you to 
own this, okay? Because like he said, we got to own it. You are not controlled by fear. You are not stuck. You are not a slave to your habits. You are not a prisoner to your addictions. You are not a victim. You are not failing. You are not unlikable. You are not unworthy of love. You are not your past. You are not what you did. You are not what someone else says about you. You are not your unhealthy thoughts say you are. You are not done. And then here's the truth of it. You are who God says you are. Because of Christ, you are loved. You are forgiven. You are healed. You are new. You are redeemed. You are free. You are blessed. You are strong and mighty. You are chosen. You are empowered. You are a, you are a weapon of righteousness in a world of darkness. Amen. Amen. All right. As Pastor Alex just said, when the devil comes whispering something, you just repeat some of those words. I am not what I did. Amen? You just remind him of the truth. And uh, I believe you'll begin to change that thinking. Pastor Alex and I will be doing a whole series this summer, so I encourage you, go ahead and get a copy of this book. Be ready to go when we do it this summer, the whole series, Winning the War in Your Mind, because the battle is in our mind so much of the time. Amen. Be blessed. Hope to have you come back next weekend. We're going to rock it out with a great sermon. We're going to do a Vision Sunday telling you about what we've done, what we're doing, and what we're doing next. And I've got a good, powerful word for you. So be blessed, and I'll see you soon.